Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. Schools do a lot more than providing education. They are pillars in communities that also provide students and families with supports for social, emotional, and physical needs. On today's show, we will talk with some amazing guests that are making sure the whole child and the community are taken care of, especially during COVID-19. I'm so pleased today to be joined by Julie Page Pittman, the Education Outreach Manager at North Carolina No Kid Hungry, who will soon be taking on a new role as Special Advisor to the Superintendent focused on educator engagement. We are also joined by Reginald Ross, the Operations Consultant at North Carolina Department of Public Instruction and President of the School Nutrition Association. But I'd love to start, Reggie, with you. Um, schools provide meals to many students that may not get a meal otherwise. And right now during COVID-19, with school buildings being closed or on hybrid schedules, it's been especially difficult making sure that kids have enough food can you tell us more about the extent of the need across the state and what kind of volume districts are taking on to make sure that all of our students and families have food? You know, when it was announced back uh, on March 13th that schools would be closing due to COVID-19, school nutrition directors across our great state immediately went to work to come up with plans to feed our students. Understanding that there was a tremendous need out there uh, to reach a majority of our students who otherwise may not have that opportunity to receive nutritious meals. And as the months have moved forward, our directors have done an incredible job in serving meals. Initially, it was strictly in the classroom or curbside, but then we realized that we had students uh, who did not have access to schools. So we came up with other means and that included activity and school buses as well to reach our students. And then as the months went on, we realized also that we needed to provide meals more than just for one day, that we needed to provide meals for maybe one, two, three, or even a week. And so our directors came up with plans to send out box meals to our students to make certain that our students, as well as our families, were being fed across this great state. So, our directors have worked very hard during this period to ensure meals were reaching our students. And when you actually talk about numbers, I just wanted to share these as far as our great state is concerned. During the 2018-19 school year, we served over 73 million breakfasts and 136 million lunches to our students for the entire school year. And as this pandemic began, we started to see numbers where we were only serving maybe five, 10% of the meals that we normally serve. So, but we have built on that and now we are getting closer to numbers that we've done in the past. We haven't reached hundred percent, but we may be between 25 to 50% of the meals that we normally serve. So we recognize that there's a need out there to feed students across this great state and we're doing everything we can along with working with our allied partners like the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Clubs, where they set up that we can deliver meals there as well and feed our students. So it has really been a, a, a great combination of school districts, as well as our allied partners working together to reach our students and feed them nutritious meals. I think it's really important to highlight what Reggie said about how USDA has extended this waiver so that all kids can get meals at no cost. Um, kids who are enrolled or not enrolled, who 
or under the age of 18 can get meals at no cost. And, and the importance of that is we don't know what this pandemic has done financially and economically and emotionally to our families. Prior to the pandemic, um, we had kids who were identified as being qualified for reduced price meals. We don't know who those kids are anymore because the amount of families whose financial um, capability has changed um, allowing these kids to be able to have free or no cost meals reduces the stigma and just allows everybody to have a meal with no questions asked. Julie, I'd love to hear a little bit from you about how No Kid Hungry is trying to help students and some of the solutions that you aim to provide. Sure. Well, we are doing everything that we can to try to um, help reduce the barriers to school meals during this unprecedented time um, when school meals just look differently. And as Reggie said, um, it's just hard to reach all the kids because they're not in the building every day. Um, this crisis has brought on unique challenges, not only for school nutrition, uh, but also for educators and parents and students. Um, and among one of the most important challenges is ensuring that our kids get the meals that they need to succeed. So No Kid Hungry North Carolina has done an incredible job um, trying to eliminate some funding barriers. We have uh, granted in North Carolina over a million dollars to various districts and uh, community organizations to try to help uh, overcome some of the obstacles they have. You know, a lot of times it's just if kids are in remote learning and they're not able to get to the schoolhouse for like a grab and go a pickup their meal, then schools are trying to deliver those meals either through yellow buses. Um, in Anson County, one of the problems was that their yellow buses couldn't even make it down some of the roads where some of their kids live. So they applied for a grant and we were able to offer them a grant to purchase a van to be able to deliver meals. It's just really important that we know that we're trying to um, overcome those challenges, support our school nutrition programs and community organizations across the state and try to get more healthy meals to more kids every single day and and to to help celebrate the tireless work that these school nutrition heroes have been doing and we're just really excited to be able to tell those stories and to continue to support school nutrition and community organizations while we're feeding our kids body mind and soul every single day well, thank you. And Julie, I'd love to just follow up. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the partnerships in place across the state, but also in local districts and how those help to tackle food insecurity. Yeah, I think one of the, I mean, there are examples about this in every single district where there are partnerships that are happening. Today, Ed and C released an, an article that's written about Graham County and what's happening there. Their schools are their community hubs. They're the anchors in their communities, but they're suffering with, with childhood hunger. So they are partnering with faith-based organizations and community organizations to make sure that not only do they have the financial capacity to feed the kids that are enrolled and living in those communities, but also the ability to do it with fidelity to make sure that foods are um, meeting meal patterns, that they are um, temperature appropriate, that they're able to be delivered to students who are in need, um, and then also working with um, 
with like school counselors and school psychologists to identify kids who may not be getting meals. That's just one example of what's happening across the state. What are you most proud of in terms of how our state communities and schools have responded to this important need? I am so proud of the relationships that have been developed during this process. You know, back when we got started back in March, we didn't realize that this pandemic would last as long as it's lasted. And so we were planning basically for short term to, to be able to feed students. But I have to say that along with USDA, along with NCDA, along with SNA, and along with all of our school districts across the state, we really worked together to make sure that we put together plans to feed our students. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that we have really faced some great challenges with all of the hybrid plans from every school district. And as a consultant, I work with 41 different school food authorities and they all had a different plan. So <clears throat> coming up with ways to feed students, we've all worked together. USDA has issued waivers for us that have really, really helped us to be able to feed students without a lot of the administrative paperwork and issues that we might've had. So that's really helped out. And as we face the beginning of this school year, uh, you know, USDA granted ex an extension of the waivers, which has helped us to be able basically to feed uh, universal meals to all students at no charge, which has been fantastic. And those waivers have now been extended through June of 2021. So I'm just very proud of all of the great relationships. I am so proud of the school nutrition heroes that have come out of this process. You know, I always knew that we had school nutrition heroes. Our people are absolutely fantastic. They work hard and, and so many people sometimes don't see the work that goes on behind the scenes. But during this pandemic, the country, the state, the world has been able to see our heroes rise to the top, that we are essential to the success of our students in this state. And I am so proud of that and proud to be a part of this great profession called school nutrition. Julie, as we wrap up here, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how we might take what we've learned through this pandemic and what might that do and how might that affect the future in terms of nutrition, connections to families and community partnerships? The relationships and the perseverance, the creativity, the tireless amount of cooperation has really shown a light on the family approach to school nutrition that we have here in North Carolina. Um, and I'm just really proud of that work. Um, the amount of, of spotlight that has been put on not only food insecurity for kids and families, but also how schools and school nutrition and community organizations who are doing this work to make sure our kids are fed are, are essential at every step of a child's growing life. Well, I want to thank you both so much for being here today, but also for the work you do every single day. And we look forward to continued partnership. After the break, we will be joined by Keisha Clemens, the 2020 Wells Fargo Principal of the Year, and Austin Morris, a teacher at Pinecrest High School in Moore County. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. We're so pleased to be joined by Keisha Clemens, who is the 2020 Wells Fargo Principal of the Year from Shuford Elementary School in Newton Conover Schools and Austin Morris, a social studies teacher, beginning teacher coordinator, and an administrative intern at Pinecrest High School in Moore County. 
Thank you so much for being here. Keisha, I'd love to start with you. Um, schools certainly serve as an anchor for communities. They always have and more now than ever. I wonder if you could talk about what types of efforts your school is making to help keep the community strong. You know, our communities, you know, our school serves as kind of the hub of the community. And, you know, if there is one positive outcome of of COVID, it is the connections that we've been able to make with our community. You know, the pandemic for everyone has been so tumultuous and like any other um, national disasters or, uh, you know, traumatic events, you know, it does bring uh, communities together. And so I, I, I see that as such a positive outcome from all of this. We built stronger connections with our community. Um, one way is really working together to solve the problems, knowing that we are stronger together and leading that work is making sure that you're including um, your families and community as a part of the decision-making because it affects all of us. So I think that has been really critical in building the community is the involvement, the, the transparency about what is going on, coming together to create um, the safety protocols that we have to follow, um, educating our community on things. Sometimes we operate um, on things that may not be true. So as much information as we're able to give out about COVID-19 or anything else, um, I think strengthens that uh, relationship and those connections. Um, you know, really preparing our uh, school and community and families to uh, be courageous. We know that we're going to encounter things that we've never encountered before. But I think um, preparing for that, speaking that, sending that message that it is okay that we're going to face things we've never faced before, but we can do it together. Austin, I know something that really struck me about you that really does align with what Keisha was just um, describing is just how important relationships are. And I wonder if you can share what kind of relationships are you and your school forming with the community, with your families that help students both in and outside of the classroom? I think 2020 without question has been difficult for every family, every student and every educator, you know, for different reasons. But some silver linings that have come out of this year are I think we've seen a breaking down of the barriers between the school and the communities we serve as Principal Clemens mentioned. Uh, which has been a positive. And I also think that we have really seen a recognition that students, the families, and the educators are really equal partners in providing a great individualized education for every student. At our school, we've done that through a family learning series program where we've reached out to educate community members and family members about how we work together in this important partnership. And uh, also other steps that we've taken to engage the community and to serve the community even during times of pandemic. And I would love um, to turn back to Keisha just for a moment and ask you to focus a little bit on how have your efforts in connecting schools to community changed since COVID-19? Because everything that you emphasize is clearly part of what you do and what you believe so similar uh, to Austin. And I wonder how has that changed in the past nine months? You know, I will say this, um, I, I kind of want to talk about the, the idea of equity. You know, that's not a new word to education. It's not a new word, um, but um, we are, I think at this point, understanding this concept of equity um, more now than we ever have. It's not that the barriers that, um, that exist today haven't always been there to some degree. 
and um, the pandemic has just kind of enhanced and elevated some of the issues that we're facing. Um, but I think what has uh, changed, and, and I, I hesitate to say change, but really just strengthen our efforts in creating an equitable environment for our students. So we have always thought about, you know, um, creating programs to make sure students have food or make sure that we're supporting our families with housing or um, even the technology needs, you know, making sure that we are providing them with materials so they have access to the curriculum. We've always done that, but I think it's just increased our understanding and being able to see things through the lens of our families a little bit more. Because now with our children being at home, you know, when we're going into Zoom or talk with them, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of their environment. And they are, um, because we're connecting with families more and we're connecting with students even more than we ever have, we're learning more about them. And so I think it has just shifted our lens. Uh, equity has been a priority in what we do and believing that it is a part of everything we do in education. But it has opened my eyes uh, to things that I had not been able to see before. So I think that has changed across the board, educators as a whole, teachers, staff, um, uh, really across our whole district, uh, I think can speak about how much they have learned and that has influenced how they interact with our families and communities. Austin, I'd love to dig in a little bit to some of the things that you've mentioned about how you really do have to support the whole student through relationships and knowing that that doesn't just mean with academics, but also mental health, nutrition, and other needs. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your efforts to remain connected and to support the whole child as you go through your academic year. I don't want to say I think that uh, Principal Clemens made great points. I completely agree with those. And I would just add a few things to add on to that. Um, one is I think um, practices that are trauma-informed are so important at this time right now, because I think many of our students, our families, and our educators are experiencing some form of trauma, you know, individually and collectively, you know, to a greater or lesser extent in 2020. Um, I think social-emotional competencies are so important, um, and I think that's really been brought to the forefront. Um, additionally, and this would, would tie in perfectly to Principal Clemens' points, I think the digital divide has really come to the forefront as an equity issue right now, that we have students who are very well situated um, in their home learning environments where they have access to reliable internet, uh, you know, a calm, safe place to do their homework, and other students that are lacking in those essential tools. Now, I'm very, very fortunate that I teach in the Moore County School District and at Pinecrest High School where our district leaders from our superintendent, Dr. Grimacy, um, you know, uh, of course, uh, my wife, Mariah, who's an inspirational leader, um, and many others are aware of these needs to train educators in social emotional competency um, in best practices and really to reach out and be leaders in trying to get every single one of our students access reliably to the internet to do their work from home to be successful. Uh, digital divide is very real and very concerning for a lot of educators across the state right now. Well, thank you so much. And in our last minute, I would love to just ask each of you to share as we look ahead to the next semester and the next school year, what do you need? What do we need in order to ensure educators and students are supported? Yeah, um, as my principal, uh, Stephanie Phillips has created a slogan for the year, we are Patriots United. 
And I think that's perfect across the state of North Carolina. We need to all be united right now. This is a team approach. Um, we need to make sure that we're still meeting the needs of every single student. I would also say to our community leaders, uh, we need to make sure that funding for education is there such that when we come out the other side of this pandemic, we need to make sure we have excellent schools available to every single one of our students uh, with open doors you know, um, in their communities and open arms and the resources needed to meet the academic and the uh, social emotional needs of all of our students. And just to reiterate some things that Mr. Morris said, uh, continued funding is is so important. You know, whether that is looking at um, supporting full-time school nurses and social workers, thinking about supplemental instructional support services that we can use to minimize um, gaps, really still helping um, our teachers and staff to uh, know how to personalize learning in a remote or hybrid um, environment um, and making sure that we are providing the technology and the, the, um, the Wi-Fi, the hotspots, all of those things that our kids need. And it's very different across our state. So we just have to be uh, diligent, diligent about making sure that every kid everywhere has what they need. And it does take funding to make that happen. Well, I just want to thank you both so much for what you do every single day and for being here with us today and after the break, this week's final word. Schools continue to be the hubs of our communities, even when they are operating on remote or hybrid schedules and they work to serve the whole child every day. This means that not only do schools, teachers and administrators strive to ensure students' academic needs are met, but they also do so much to meet students and families' social, emotional, and physical needs as well. This has never been more true or as important as now, as many of our families face challenges brought on by the pandemic. COVID-19 has brought to light the many inequities that have long been faced by our most vulnerable citizens and communities, ranging from food insecurity and access to housing to physical and mental health care, broadband access, and educational opportunities. As these inequities are exacerbated by this global pandemic, across our state, educators are engaging in heroic efforts to ensure a growing proportion of our students and families have access to housing, nutrition, and many other basic needs that must be in place before a child can begin the hard work of learning. Our school nutrition teams are working tirelessly with our transportation department, social workers, and educators, along with community and faith-based partners to find creative ways to get food to all of our students. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and working with our North Carolina Department of Agriculture and the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction has supported the ability to meet the needs through waivers. We are recognizing that more families may need help in addressing food insecurity than before the pandemic began, but we are also learning how we may support students in the future so that they are ready and able to learn. Principals, educators, social workers, psychologists, nurses, and counselors are working together to address the needs of the whole child through relationships and careful attention to social and emotional learning while continuing to foster academic growth. We heard how important the investment in the relationships with students and families is to support each of our students. Efforts to support the whole child lay the foundation to ensure that all of our students can reach their full potential. While the pandemic has certainly made us very aware of our students' needs, including and beyond academics, we must also take what we are learning now and consider how we can continue to grow and advance our support of the whole child. 
We know a great deal about adverse childhood experiences or ACEs and other traumas that have a direct impact on a student's readiness to learn. These are a reality for our students in a pandemic, but were also true before and will be important to address following COVID-19. The recommended allocations of the critical student services personnel in our schools does do not match our reality today and we must work together to ensure that our districts and schools have the capacity through the important roles of social workers, counselors, nurses, psychologists, and others that allow us to meet the needs of each student and help them to thrive academically, socially, and emotionally. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.